Hi everyone, welcome to Forbes India Teenpreneurs, a weekly podcast series where we speak with the young and restless, literally entrepreneurs and innovators under the age of 20. We'll dissect their enterprises, chart their journeys and highlight the perils and prices of starting young. This is Naini Thakar and welcome to the 8th episode of Teenpreneurs. Our guest for today's show is 18-year-old Akash Manoj. When he was 13 years old, Akash lost his grandfather due to a silent heart attack. Now, unlike most teenagers that age, he decided to translate his emotions into actions. After years and years of research, he developed a novel technique that can non-invasively detect and alert at-risk patients of a potential asymptomatic heart attack. Akash was also conferred with the National Child Award for Exceptional Achievement by the President of India when he was 16 years old. He has recently finished high school from Ashok Leland School in Hosur and is all set to begin his Doctor of Medicine studies from Charles University in Prague. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Akash. Uh, if you can start by telling us a little about uh, what was the inspiration behind the technology that you had um, and uh, that you've come up with and, and what is the technology in the first place? Um, first and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast series. Sure. Uh, it's indeed an honor to be a part of this amazing initiative. And, uh, you know, I thought I should, on this podcast, unlike my TED Talk in New York, which is quite information heavy, simplify my research, you know, by limiting the usage of medical terms wherever possible. Right. Uh, so, so let me begin by talking about what my research is all about and how I particularly got involved in heart attack research. Okay. So when I was 13 years old, something terrible yet mind-boggling happened to me. My grandfather died of a silent heart attack. But before I explain what a silent heart attack is, let me tell you what happens before a normal heart attack. When there is a loss of oxygen-rich blood flow to your heart because of a fat deposit or a vessel rupture, that's when the cells in your heart start failing. This process of failing can take quite a long time. It can take up to several hours, in fact. Now, the heart is a very intelligent organ. As soon as the heart starts to fail, it releases alarm signals all over the body. In medical terms, these SOS signals are called cardiac biomarkers. And uh, even more simply, these are just uh, a type of proteins. The function of these proteins or alarm signals is to communicate with your body that the heart muscle is failing and is at risk. Now the interesting part is how they communicate. Symptoms like chest pain and shortness of breath. So these are all the indications. My grandfather died from a heart attack too, but not with these classic symptoms. There were no symptoms at all, in fact. He just collapsed in a moment. Had there been any symptoms, we would have taken him for immediate medical care because that's how all of this works. The fact that he had no symptoms at all is what makes this case of a silent heart attack very peculiar and deadly. Silent heart attacks uh, occur in patients with underlying conditions like diabetes. My grandfather was diabetic too, and these patients will have nerve damage that blocks out all these alarm signals that the heart is sending. So these patients do not get any noticeable symptoms 
before a heart attack. So that's what makes this uh, disease really, really deadly. So I started working on this problem, trying to find some kind of a solution. I worked in government labs, then in private ones for more than three years. And after this quite a long process, I was able to develop a device that can detect silent heart attacks up to six hours in advance. And how old were you when you actually started uh, you know, with the research? Um... I was uh, 13 uh, when I started this research. Okay. And, and uh, right now I'm 18. Okay, and how long did it take for you to finally, uh, you know, uh, make or have that first prototype in place from the time that you were 13? I think it took almost three years. Wow, okay, all right. Uh, to, you know, kind of get a workable uh, prototype. Sure, and how does the uh, device work in the first place, if you can take our uh, listeners through that process? Sure, let me walk you through briefly about how all of this works. So this is a watch kind of device which you wear around your wrist or place the patch near your chest. This device will identify the alarm signals your heart is sending through a unique bioelectric system that I have developed. So you don't need a blood test for this at all. It's totally non-invasive and that's what makes this detection system unique in addition to the fact that it's preventative technology that can be used from the comfort of your home before reaching the hospital where the doctor would test you on similar parameters with an invasive blood test. The device will then, you know, let you know the quantity of these alarm signals in your bloodstream using a non-invasive spectrometer that employs transcutaneous blood analysis and a PLS-based statistical model. It is also interesting to note that the cardiac biomarker I have chosen for the study called HFABP or heart type fatty acid binding protein is released up to six hours before a heart attack, thereby giving us a way for early detection. If the levels are beyond the recommended threshold, that would mean you are at risk of a potential heart attack. So you need to rush to the doctor for immediate medical care. In hospitals, the doctors usually use, uh, uh, you know, usually test for a cardiac biomarker called troponin which is more heart attack sensitive than HFABP, but is a late indicator. So although the device may not be able to provide the patient with a complete analysis of the cardiac injury, it might be of immense help in actually indicating that the patient is in danger so that the patient can become alarmed and know that immediate care is crucial. All right. Well, the ultimate goal of this device that this device aims to achieve is buying time. At-risk patients may now receive more time to survive and reach out for medical help. Consequently, they may not have to go for expensive and invasive uh, medical treatments that would otherwise be necessary after heart attack. Such patients may also prevent an irreversible damage. Okay. All right. And currently, what is the stage um, at which your technology um, is? I mean, is it out in the market already? Um, what's the stage uh, that it is at right now? Uh, I have recently launched a startup called Cardiopter, which is actually the name of the device itself. Now what, now what the startup is now doing is actually testing the device on a large sampling size with varying conditions and observing the behavior of the device in detecting cardiac biomarkers under various epigenetic mechanisms, which simply means studying its working in people with varying health conditions.
while the exact number of volunteers is being withheld until a detailed research paper is published, I can tell you the calculated result of the HFAVP levels in a group of diabetic hum uh, human participants mm -hmm. uh, that showed a coefficient of determination of 96.2%, which is, okay. uh, you know, the accuracy of the uh, test. And also the feasibility and accuracy of the in vivo study uh, were verified using parallel in vitro tests. There have been promising results so far, but any tangible conclusions can only be made after the study is fully complete. Sure, fair enough. Um, so how long do we actually, um, you know, see the product in the market? Sure, that's, that's one of the most popular questions uh, coming to me these days. Yeah. See, the most important challenge that this device presents is the need to miniaturize the heart attack detection system. Right. To miniaturize the entire system so that it can fit into your hand. Hmm. So I'm also working with key stakeholders in the wearables industry to integrate the system into watch-like wearables. Okay. Uh, all of this takes time, but so does any research that's being transformed for public use. Sure. I filed a provisional patent uh, for this device, uh, which will uh, take time you know, for the uh, full patent to be granted. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I think five years uh, is a good estimate time uh, for the device uh, to come out for public use. Sure. Um, so, Akash, are you planning to um, sell this entire technology or the product to a company or will you be uh, selling it under your own brand name? What are your plans like? Uh, well, in terms of the uh, business structure, for this device. I think uh, this has to be a collaborative effort sure. uh, between the government and various other private stakeholders because this is going to be a joint effort uh, when it comes out. Uh, so I think it will involve a lot of uh, private stakeholders as well, especially from the wearables uh, industry. Yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm figuring that uh, out right now. Okay, um, and are you in talks with any uh, such private players or as well as any state governments or anything like that? Uh, yes, I'm looking uh, at, uh, you know, collaborating with some of the uh, private uh, wearable companies, uh, companies that manufacture wearables. And I'm also in talks with some of the governments uh, and the Ministry of Health uh, in order to devise a solution as to how this device can come into the market. So uh, currently, you know, um, have you received any funding for your startup or are you actively looking for funding at all? I have over the couple of uh, years, over the last few years, uh, I've received a lot of funding from the government itself and from, uh, you know, uh, fundraising campaigns on Milab um, and many other such organizations. But as of now, I don't have uh, any funding requirements. Um, and, and when it comes to, you know, um, looking at other investors and things like that, uh, has age ever proven to be a barrier uh, for you in this long journey that, that you've been on? Um... Uh, well, uh, at this juncture, I'd like to share something very important. The okay. most valuable advice I've received on my journey is to not let my age limit my thinking and to question everything, big or small. Uh, I think my advice to young would-be inventors would be to observe the world around them for inspiration, 
because seemingly mundane things can be explored in depth. Look around for problems and you can find one to work on. The most important thing is to start. Once you start uh, working on something, things will automatically fall into place. Right. So going forward, what are your plans like? I finished high school last year and I'm moving to Prague this year to begin my medical education uh, at the University of Prague, an esteemed institution uh, with a 600 year old history. Uh, this is where I will be pursuing my current research further and beginning any other uh, research initiatives along with studying to become a medical doctor. And sure. if everything goes well, you can one day see me as a physician scientist. Okay. This is also my dream job. Okay, that, that's great to hear. At the same time, of course, you will continue having this uh, startup on the side as well, right? Yes, I will be continuing to pursue this research uh, even at my university. Great, uh, sure. Um, and in this entire process, you know, since the time you were um, 13, um, what, what are the kind of challenges that, that you had to, you know, undergo, um, you know, coming to the stage at which you are right now? How tough was it for you? Um, I think it was quite difficult, especially considering the fact that uh, I had a lack of uh, access to resources initially. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, you know, with a bit of discipline and consistent, uh, you know, hard work and persistence, I think uh, I made it uh, all this way. For me, I would say discipline has a more significant role than inspiration because Anyone can get greatly inspired by watching a TED talk, but what gets one to ideate and turn ideas into action is discipline. It is crucial for researchers to be disciplined and it took almost uh, a year for me to be able to master it. It is also essential for everyone to get mentored by someone. And perhaps that was something I had to work the hardest to find. Okay. The trick here is to staying on track and getting motivated is simple. Just think of the journey as a whole, not the goal. Ask as many questions as possible and learn from failure. Yeah. This should probably take anybody where they want to go. Right. And when you spoke about the lack of resources, Akash, can you expand a little on that uh, earlier on? Uh, I'm from Hosur, uh, which is about uh, an hour or two from Bangalore, mm -hmm. which is the metro city. Mm -hmm. So I had to travel to Bangalore uh, to get access to research laboratories because uh, there was a lack of access to laboratories here or uh, there weren't laboratories uh, in Hosur at all. Mm. So these were some of the challenges that I faced and uh, also there was another significant challenge uh, getting access uh, to the professors okay. in different institutions and getting their mentorship was kind of difficult, but I wrote a lot of emails to a lot of them yeah. and uh, I had gotten positive responses as well. And uh, that is exactly why I'm here today with this. Sure. Uh, and uh, due to coronavirus, you know, the pandemic and all of us being stuck where we are, um, has that at all led to your plans kind of not working, you know, working out and things not going your way? And well, that is a problem because uh, you know, a lot of research laboratories have been closed right now mm. and all access to uh, educational institutions have been denied. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the pandemic is definitely uh, making things worse, but I think things will get back to normal once 
uh, we have a vaccine in hand mm-hmm. and we go back to the uh, way it was. Sure. Um, and given that, you know, this entire project is very much research led, I suppose that it, it would cost a lot of money. Uh, when it, you know, when you initially first pitched this idea that this is what you wanted to do to your parents, what was their reaction like? And, you know, how supportive were they? Uh, if you can recall um, that memory and talk a little about that. Yes. Um, it's no doubt that uh, a project uh, or a, a, a research of this magnitude will definitely take uh, up a lot of money and my parents were quite supportive in that regard especially on the financial aspects so they had funded my initial experiments uh, without any hesitation and i'm very thankful to them for that and uh, thereafter i received grants from the government uh, to right. carry on my research. Right. If you could, Akash, go back and do things differently, uh, what would you have done differently? You know, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Okay. Because, uh, you know, every step of the way, uh, I learned something new. Hmm. And I don't want to change any of that. Yeah, that, that, that's great to hear. Um, and you, like you said, you know, you just finished high school. Um, and, and I believe that a major chunk of your research happened while you were still in school. How difficult was it juggling school uh, with research? And what would a typical day look like for you? The most part of my research, uh, I had my school supporting me every step of the way. And uh, it's only because of them I was able to juggle both school and the research, Mm. Uh, the school had granted me a lot of, uh, uh, you know, leniency uh, in terms of attending school and, you know, classes. Uh, I think that's what helped me the most. And my school was very supportive in that regard. Sure. Um, And what does the future look like for your device, Um, you know, going forward, any plans that you have? um, What is your vision for the device? Let me talk to you about this in the context of this pandemic. Sure. This pandemic has quite made my research more relevant for the future than ever, which actually makes me want to talk about a significant correlation uh, between coronavirus and heart disease. Okay. There's a very close interplay between the immune and the cardiovascular systems. Now, I'm not an infectious disease specialist, so I cannot speak for the virus itself. But I try to keep up with scientific literature around the virology of this disease. So I know the current thinking around what's happening. There are many ways in which the COVID-19 infection can trigger cardiac events for which we still don't have definitive answers. But I can speak about two ways in which the virus can affect the heart out of the reports coming in uh, from COVID-19 infected patients in China and perhaps uh, Italy. So number one, the unique way in which this virus enters our cells uh, by binding to ACE2 receptors, ACE is angiotensin converting enzyme. So these ACE2 receptors are primarily located in the lung tissue. That is why we're hearing a lot about COVID-19 infected patients developing uh, respiratory complications. Mm -hmm. But these ACE2 receptors are also present in the heart tissues. So there is a direct way in which this virus can enter the heart cells and affect the heart muscle. And number two, a systemic inflammatory response. Uh, Whenever there's a viral infection in any part of the body, that part becomes a source of inflammation. 
and inflammation is a critical immune defense mechanism by our body but in case of heart patients it could be it could very well be your enemy okay the source of inflammation releases inflammatory proteins called cytokines and activates uh, a large number of wbcs when all these inflammatory molecules reach a heart vessel with a fatty deposit that has a lot of uh, inflammatory wbcs this could trigger a serious inflammatory reaction and eventually a heart attack okay. many reports of covid-19 patients have also found that heart related problems come out of nowhere uh, during the acute infection period or even after recovering from covid-19 now covid-19 is a spectrum disease ranging from being largely asymptomatic to developing into critical uh, illnesses this is crucial to people with underlying conditions like diabetes because they are already susceptible to silent heart attacks and contracting this virus makes them only more vulnerable a viral infection like this can unmask silent cardiac symptoms and destabilize the heart vessel blockages in people with an undiagnosed uh, heart disease which might lead to the collapse of a person so detecting these silent cardiac symptoms early on is what my device focuses on and that could mean the difference between life and death a device like cardiopter is primarily significant in establishing preventive heart care but in the context of this pandemic and future ones it could be uh, it could help asymptomatic heart patients to combat deadly viral infections like covid-19 both during the acute infection period and after and and uh, you know i mean uh, i'm just uh... just for my understanding uh, would there be uh, other such devices uh, that have been made across india across india that detect such silent uh, heart attacks and if yes then what is it that makes your device kind of stand out uh, actually not this is the only kind of device uh, that is available uh, okay. not available per se but uh, is in development yeah yeah, uh, yeah. to detect silent heart attacks uh, i think it uses the same mechanism that the doctors use when you go to the hospital hospital to take a, a biomarker test a biomarker blood test but that test is invasive and you need to take out your blood for the test but this device does it without a blood test and from the comfort of your home and i think that's what uh, distinguishes this device from uh, everything else So thank you so much Akash for this wonderful conversation um, and good luck for your future endeavors. You are listening to Forbes India Teampreneurs. We'll be back next week with another teampreneur. See you then. Today's show was mixed by Manswini Kaushik. If you like the show don't forget to share and subscribe. Also check out our other podcasts. A fortnightly series on our latest cover story called Inside Forbes India. and conversations about business economics and books on from the bookshelves of forbes india